You are listening to You've Got Five Options show, where every week Marta and Anna abandon their five children, two partners, and one cat to make a show especially for you. An artist, a challenge, a bullshit, a wisdom, and a surprise. Tune in and feel the magic of five. Hello, everyone. This is Marta. And this is Anna. And this is You've Got Five Options from the Bedroom Show. Yes, from the Bedroom Show, exactly, Marta. And we are now in the second part of our program, Five Important Questions About Coronavirus. We are attempting to answer, and the program has two parts. So uh, we are giving really uh, long answers, I guess. Yeah, we did really well in our first program where we attempted to answer the five questions and we did not manage to answer two because we still have something to add to the second question. That is absolutely correct, but I have lately seen some podcasts about coronavirus and they have length of two to three hours, so I believe we are just following the new normal in the podcasting world. So, Marta, it's not so bad. It's, I think everyone has questions, everyone has opinions, everyone has thoughts. It's not a topic that it's easy to be just simply, you know, like shut down after a couple minutes of talking. Yeah, and we are not into scratching, so <laughs> we don't want to just scratch the surface. We Nor to scratch our face. Yeah, our That's face. Yeah, well, we cannot scratch each other's faces, our own faces we can still scratch. But yeah, uh, yeah because we are not recording from the same bedroom. That's an important That's, uh, that's important one, yeah. Yeah, we are very good um, citizens and mm-hmm. we are staying in our own homes. Yes. So, uh, therefore, yeah, the quality of the recording is. Uh, yeah. Of a questionable matter, and uh, except of being a good citizen, I also cannot afford any fine at this moment of my financial life. So I will obey because I have I don't have money to pay. That was not supposed to rhyme. Hey, that's a good slogan. That's yeah, a good slogan. I think many people, more and more people, the longer the lockdown, the more mm-hmm. people will be having that as their ultimate truth. Yeah. True, true. I totally agree. Yeah. Yet again, I just wanted to say yeah. one thing. We are we have been locked down for three weeks now. Uh-huh. We are slightly getting crazy on some level. So we do apologize if we have any weird comments, if we are laughing on inappropriate un- places. And we still love humans and humanity. We yeah. want everyone to survive this, honestly. We are just slightly, you know, getting crazy locked down at home. Yes, Marta, what are the inappropriate places, you think? <laughs> I don't know, but I had an impression that in our previous show, we were just laughing a lot at the beginning. And maybe it's a severe situation that requires more, more seriousness, which is currently <laughs> unavailable for us. <laughs> I don't know what you are drinking down there in your mug, but it, it's working. It's, I think it's water. But Marta, last time I checked, sense of humor was still legal. 
So <laughs> we, I think, can laugh. And I believe that, you know, there are different responses to, to stress and anxiety and lockdown. Some people cope with it by uh, panicking, others by spending their time looking at the windows and photographing strangers and then calling on them to the police. And others are laughing. So I believe that everything is allowed in the times we live in. Well, absolutely not everything is allowed. Absolutely many things Actually, are forbidden. it's quite opposite, I know. It, it, was, it was very... No, I, I'm not proud of myself. Very no. wrong answer. No, it, it, it sucks. That, that sucked. You are right. No, but uh, w what I would say that I believe that people are going crazy, slowly, some faster, some some slower. And I think before we will pick up the topic of, of the five questions that I'm sure everyone is dying, uh, of course, figuratively, <laughs> for us to answer. <laughs> yeah, hello, lockdown. Um, I think it's it, it's important to, to acknowledge that some people really struggle. And uh, even if we make fun of it, that probably is our mechanism of coping with the situation. But uh, yesterday I talked with with my friend who I, I think I mentioned that that she uh, said that one man desperate in quarantine dressed himself up as a woman to, <laughs> to leave the house so the cops that were looking at him would not recognize him and you know there are other people who uh, are wearing dinosaurs costumes and are going out on the streets i saw that uh, then again i talked today with other friend that i have and she's one of those extrovert types marta which you will know uh, very well because you are also an extrovert and she's like i'm sorry i'm in depression and i um i actually offered her to have a, a phone call or a Zoom or a Facebook conference like I have with some other people, including you. So, you know, we can grab a drink and, and just talk and pretend we are out or whatever. And she said that she is really in a bad mood and maybe in a week. And that was shocking to me because I have never ever heard her refusing drink in my life. So uh, I can definitely um, acknowledge that some people take it uh, worse than others. And some people are actually in quite difficult uh, emotional and mental condition. So even if we are laughing, it doesn't mean that we are making fun of those people. It means that we are coping with the situation like that. And I don't believe anyone should be surprised if, you have ever heard any of our podcast <laughs> well i i do have to admit that i have had a few days of this poor mental and emotional condition due to my extrovertism being attacked mm -hmm. uh, attacked no it's not the right word my extrovertism being put in prison oh that's yeah and now i'm checking put in prison i think if we will rhyme a little bit more we can really make a corona song yeah, and now I'm checking if it's possible for me to convert to convert into an introvert. Hey, I almost have like an awesome a poem or, you know, yeah. the rhyming. Yeah, yeah, I have to write it down afterwards. So I'm checking now if it's possible to become an introvert. You know, if, I, yeah. if, if it's a matter of conversion, like into another, you know, religion or into another file type, maybe, maybe it's possible. 
Exactly, Marta. Some people are changing guts. Why can't you just change who you are? <laughs> yes. No, I'll, but I'll let you know later on how it went. I'm pretty much sure, but uh, but I, I I have noticed that extroverts are coping way worse than introverts, which should not be any big news or a surprise. I'm an introvert. Plus, I was on maternity leave for uh, I am still on maternity leave. For me, there is not much change. But people who are very active, who travel a lot, who go out a lot, who have a lot of activities or hobbies or, you know, things and now being suddenly locked in the house. Or who have a lot of kids and are suddenly locked in the house. Yes, I think this is even tough for introverts, even to be honest. So here, I also saw somewhere like a meme. Uh, if we will see more children being born after nine months, trust me, those will be all firstborns. Wow, true. Because, because no one who is locked with children will make a baby now. Like, yeah, it, it will only be the firstborns because I think you have a walking and talking reminder on why not to maybe have more children. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see about that. It's going to be interesting what's going to happen in nine months. Well, yes. they said that uh, for couples, but that was not taken under consideration how many children they already have. Mm -hmm. That, you know, it will be either a divorce or a new baby born. So mm -hmm. I think those are really valid, uh, valid prognosis. I think, uh, I don't know if this was just like a more like a sensational, uh, funny news, but apparently the divorce rate in China jumped drastically after the lockdown was uh, uh, over yeah so yeah i i guess for many people this could also be just like realization that i have nothing <laughs> in common with that person that that i am i am with and i can only tolerate them because we see each other for hours a day you know so um but i think some relations will get stronger out of it as well yeah like always, you know, there is mm -hmm. always uh, this kind of uh, crisis situation. It always goes, you know, two ways, right? Yeah. There is always a chance for something better or something worse coming out of it. But yeah. I have an impression, impression that we have been um, not answering any questions for quite a while. And so, we answered all the unnecessary questions or all the and, new questions. Yeah. So just for those of you who haven't had the amazing, fantastic opportunity to hear our first part yet. In the first part, we have answered the question, what's up with the corona numbers? Mm -hmm. That was a very uh, deep discussion uh, with the conclusion that nothing is up, everything is up, and no one knows what's up with the numbers. So yeah. it's very important to treat them with a grain of salt and being open and taking a few steps back and knowing that it's simply not yet determined what really are the numbers mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then we uh, very deeply went into the question why do we then put the world on a lockdown mm -hmm. and with that question we will continue we will also take the question this time what is the most frightening thing about the virus mm -hmm. and why does media show the disease as so deadly Mm -hmm. And then we will end up, hopefully not in a third or fourth part of the show, <laughs> with the fifth question, how to stay sane, open and conscious in these times. Yeah, although just in case I can, I can say that we kind of answered a little bit at the beginning, humor is a, is a good weapon. 
And definitely, we have also answered that we don't know how to stay sane. No, humor is not necessarily good for staying sane, but for just being, I guess. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but the the case with the staying sane, we I think we lost that one. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but Marta, coming back to your question, um, uh, the second question which you had, like, why why lockdown? Why are we being on lockdown? Why is this such a common response of all the governments? I was uh, thinking about it and reading quite a lot about it because um, I personally, something inside of me uh, was uh, not necessarily resonating with the solution. And I have looked into uh, quite a lot of opinions from people who are actually uh, epidem- epidemiologists. I don't even know. Is that the, how you call that job? Wait, I have here. A... I think so, yeah. Epidemiologist, yes. yeah. Or, or uh, Yeah, exactly. Those kind of people. And I will include it in the show notes. I have... Uh, 22 different um, epidemiologists, uh, virusolo. Jesus, you know, no one heard of those jobs before and now you have to pronounce it. People who are working professionally with viruses, epidemics and infectious diseases. So uh, those are professors or, or, or doctors or, and so on. So I have 22 opinions. Uh, of doctors who are uh, kind of like a mainstream doctors who are not agreeing with the measures that are being taken or are at least questioning those measures. And one uh, very interesting article that I have found was written by a guy who is a regents professor and director of the Center for Infectious Disease Research and Policy at University of Minnesota, which surprised me very much because his name is Michael Osterholm. So he sounds Danish. But he is a professor uh, at the University of Minnesota, nevertheless, and he has written a a kind of a piece about it on 21st of March in the Washington Washington Post uh, under the headline, Democracy Dies in Darkness. So a little bit... (laughs) A little bit dark, I would say. But I will just give you a little quote. And uh, just tell me what you think about it and we will be able to close this question because instead of just talking, I, I, will, uh, I will just read it. So he writes, the Imperial College of London has produced a sobering study on possible COVID-19 strategies. Three scenarios compare the outcomes of flattening the curve, mitigation, suppression, long-term quarantine, and letting the virus takes its natural course, doing nothing. And then modeling the levels of disease and death for each course. So so he basically comes up with three scenarios. One is flattening the curve. Then there is the suppression, which is long-term quarantine. And then just pretty much letting the virus takes its natural course and doing nothing. The stark takeaway, significantly reducing the number of serious serious illnesses and deaths would require a near total lockdown until an effective vaccine is available, probably at least 18 months from now. So uh, consider this effect on shutting down offices, schools, transportation systems, restaurants, hotels, stores, theaters, concert halls, 
sporting events and other venues indefinitely and leaving all of their workers unemployed and on the public dole. The likely result would not uh, just be a depression, but a complete economical breakdown with countless permanently lost jobs long before a vaccine is ready or natural immunity takes hold. We can't have everyone stay home and still produce and distribute the basic needs to sustain life and fight the disease. Uh, we are in uncharted territory, but the best alternative will probably entail let, letting those of low risk for serious disease continue to work, keep business and manufacturing operating, and run society, while at the same time advising higher risk individuals to protect themselves through physical distancing and ramping up our healthcare capacity as aggressively as possible. With this battle plan, we could gradually build up immunity without destroying the financial structure on which our lives are based. So that was quite interesting for me because actually at one point I was sure that there is only one solution and that's lockdown. But apparently the, uh, there are three official solutions, which is uh, flattening the curve mitigation, suppression, and, you know, just letting the virus run loose. And, you know, his explanation, <laughs> actually not his explanation, uh, the fact that the Imperial College of London uh, made the, uh, the predictions, and I think they used the, um, the mathematic uh, models and stuff, and they have... Uh, counted or predicted, although we have to be always, you know, cautious about predictions, that we would actually have to uh, lock down uh, for 18 months until the vaccine is ready. That, uh, wow, <laughs> that's quite tough. And I'm not sure if we, we could do that. So what the guy uh, who is an expert in the field proposes instead is to basically run the society as it goes, uh, protect the elderly, and uh, aggressively ramp up our health systems instead of stopping the economy altogether. So all the money that actually would now go for let's say, us and our benefits or compensations for losing jobs should actually go directly into building more hospitals, uh, buying more equipment and uh, ramping up uh, the healthcare. That is, well, that's an opinion. Yeah, that's an opinion. I, what I will tell you is that I see only one gap in this mm -hmm. one mm -hmm. and it is one resource that we cannot ramp up quickly on and mm -hmm. that qualified doctors and nurses. That's mm -hmm. not something that we can ramp up quickly on. The physical things, the spaces for the hospitals, the beds, the, you know, we can produce that stuff. Mm -hmm. However, there is this one, uh, one thing that is not easy to ramp up on. And mm -hmm. that's, that's humans who are capable of uh, taking care of severely sick people. Mm -hmm. So I see only this one thing, to be honest as a question you know to uh -huh. how could we do that maybe uh -huh. not a gap or but like a real question how how could we do that is that really possible can uh -huh. we really ramp up in there i don't know that uh -huh. and else i will tell you that to me it sounds very reasonable 
Mm -hmm. And uh, I have also been doing a lot of research and checking a lot of different sources and talking to a lot of different people because I could not understand what's happening in the world right now. Mm -hmm. And why would we decide to put the entire world on such a huge economical risk? Mm -hmm. you no, know, like, is there really no other solution? So yeah. I, was, I was researching that quite a lot. And to me, this kind of approach sounds reasonable. Mm -hmm. However, I'm not a specialist in these fields mm -hmm. like ep epidemiology and, uh, you know, infectious diseases and so on. There is nothing I can tell. I'm not qualified to tell, mm -hmm. you know, about whether solution is the best or the worst or whatever. Mm -hmm. So at some point I came to the place of if this kind of approach is available, mm -hmm. why aren't the governments taking it? Mm -hmm. And then I started to uh, ask those questions. Why aren't we shielding and protecting the elderly and the mm -hmm. vulnerable of the societies and letting everyone who is at a low risk continue to work? And, and gain herd, herd uh, immunity by getting infected and going to a disease. Yes. And then mm -hmm. uh, when I was not finding any qualified answer or any answer that could speak to my mind, to my logic mm -hmm. for a while, yeah. I started to ask myself question, why are the governments doing it this way? Mm -hmm. And when I have found the logic which I have, uh, you know, put, so to speak, in mm -hmm. the previous part, mm -hmm. why do I believe that countries have decided to take that decision, which I'm not assessing, I'm not evaluating whether their decision was the best possible, the worst possible, I'm mm -hmm. not evaluating this. I'm just, that's my understanding of, what the governments who are also people mm -hmm. who are also prone to fear uh, who have had limited information at the point when they were taking that decision mm -hmm. so i believe that there was a logic to it which mm -hmm. uh, which to me it seems that is at least close to the one that i have uh, presented in the previous mm -hmm. part and i believe that the governments will start going into the direction where the countries will be opening up slowly. Mm -hmm. They are um, like in, in Denmark, the prime minister was saying, we are putting the people on a lockdown so that the disease does not spread too quickly in the meantime, when we are ramping up mm -hmm. on the uh, healthcare system, when we are training nurses, where we are calling doctors and nurses who are already on pension and so on. So they were kind of, saying, talking about it. And the plan mm -hmm. is to start uh, opening the society after 13th of April. Mm -hmm. So I believe that the countries, you know, who have that capacity at any close measure, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, they will start going in that direction. Yeah, although I, I was always like kind of laughing in my head only because I have a really sick sense of humor is why are we calling nurses that were on pension when those are people in the risk group to go back and work with the disease on a daily basis and also the doctors, it, it's like the big movement, the heroes, the doctors, the nurses who are 68 and older, which basically is the people that should, you know, be isolated are going there, breathing, uh, leaking, I don't know, whatever, the virus in hospitals 24-7, unexplainable. If I would be the government, I would say thank you so very much for this wonderful gesture, but you guys, you stay at home.
you don't come back. You are the one who are in risk. So uh, there is a lot of weird, you know, things like, why would you put the risk group in the center of epidemics, you know? <laughs> like, and it's, it's a good question. And I think that it's also a perfect exhibit of how difficult and complex this kind of mm -hmm. decisions are and how difficult and complex it would be to try to separate, you know, and yeah. because there will always be additional factors or lack mm -hmm. of information uh, yeah. that is in place. Do we feel satisfied now? I guess so. That yes. Okay. I think that for anyone who's interested, we will include in show notes, I will include the links to those articles that are presenting uh, so far 22 alternative advices by an actual expert uh, who are believing that uh, this solution is not the optimal solution. Uh, so people can also just be informed and read and and make their own mind, make up their own mind about it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, good, because we are almost halfway in the second yeah. episode. So going, going strong. <laughs> Very this. strong. But maybe some of the questions will be short questions, like, for example, how to stay sane. We obviously have no idea about that. <laughs> <laughs> However, yeah. okay. What is the most frightening thing about the virus? Ah. And we have talked about it in, yeah. in, to some degree um, already. Mm -hmm. However, let's still touch upon that to summarize. So at some point, and, and this is developing for me all the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, I have never seen in my life my own opinion, my mm -hmm. own state of mind, my own perspective changing so much from one week to another, like mm -hmm. in those times. And I think that's happening for many people. Our reality changed from one week to another significantly. Mm -hmm. So I think many people are facing this kind of situation where our perspective, our information, our opinion changes on something mm -hmm. from yeah. one week to another. At some point, I had a, I made a post in my normal, regular uh, Facebook profile, uh -huh. I went with my children to a forest and uh -huh. there was a funny, I don't even know what you call it, a sculpture made of uh, wood um, that looked like a monster. Uh -huh. And I took a picture with my children and then I, I don't know even why, I guess my own considerations in my own head. Uh -huh. I made a post slightly... I thought was humorous, uh, mm -hmm. asking who's the man, who's the real monster these days, mm -hmm. and I gave a few options, like you know yeah. the coronavirus itself, the fear and panic, mm -hmm. the governments that are taking away our basic uh, rights and freedoms, or children <laughs> at home, <laughs> you know, uh, homeschooling, which yeah. which was my attempt on you know, using a little bit of humor to my reality. <laughs> yeah. but that day was a little bit tough mm -hmm. because I was not doing very well emotionally that day. My kids were getting crazy, you know, at home. I have three half Latin, half Slavic, very highly, uh, you know, energized boys at home who mm -hmm. are used to being outside for many hours a day because that's mm -hmm. the way education looks in Denmark, especially for young children, they spend a lot of time freely playing outside. Mm 
And my kids were just getting crazy at home. Mm-hmm. I was getting crazy at home together with them. Mm-hmm. And I was sincerely worried because me as a child, I was growing up in a country in Poland in the 80s. Okay, now you know how mm-hmm. old I am, but that's okay. Where those kind of basic rights were sometimes restricted. Mm-hmm. So, for example, my mom, she was in prison when she was pregnant with me mm-hmm. because she had another opinion when it came to political views than the official opinion. Oh my God, maybe that's why you are dealing with the lockdown so badly <laughs> because you were locked down when you were in your mom's belly. It could also be, I mean, I don't anymore consider that I'm doing so badly. with No, the you are actually, yeah. I had my days when it was very difficult for me. So, um, so basically... I was raised in a country where these kind of basic rights were taken away. Mm -hmm. You could not protest against uh, the country, which which is impossible right now as well, because you cannot gather with people, so therefore Mm -hmm. you cannot protest against the official uh, line of uh, thought in a country. And as much as there is a big part of me that trusts that the government, at least here in Denmark, where I live, has taken mm-hmm. this kind of decision, taking under consideration what they believed was the best course of action. Mm-hmm. It does seem to me like they are looking into the best interest of the whole country, the whole population in Denmark and so on. There is a big part of me that really, really trusts that. There mm-hmm. is as well a part of me that knows how this kind of laws can be used against people because Mm -hmm. the laws that were introduced in Poland they were also showed as the laws who are helping people to be protected against some sort of an enemy Mm -hmm. in that case of course the enemy is the coronavirus and it was just creating that inner conflict inside of me Mm -hmm. where in general alongside many people living in Denmark I do trust the government into doing what they believe is the best. I do not think that people are mean, uh, you know, trying to control and that the thought behind it is, you know, some sort of uh, trying to create damage to Mm -hmm. society. I -hmm. don't believe that, uh, to be honest. But at the same time, I know how easy things can go in another direction, especially when you have introduced this kind of laws. Mm-hmm. So I was at that day, you know, like seriously considering what is happening in the world, you know, mm-hmm. what is the possible consequences of having these kind of laws imposed in many countries at the same time, long term. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about short term necessarily but long term if we can put majority of the world on a lockdown from one week to another we currently can, three billion of people yeah we can issue laws where people cannot leave their own houses where police can enter to the house and uh, put you in prison when they think that you for example may have infected someone a very difficult thing to prove a very easy thing to manipulate and put people in prison. And 
and maybe it is a little bit you know weird for me to go into this kind of thoughts however please our listeners do take under consideration that it is a reality where i was raised in where people were put in prison for things they that were against uh, any thing that sometimes yeah. we would officially consider as a thing to put someone to prison just because they had another opinion or express that opinion uh, mm-hmm. and they could be put in prison uh, for that mm-hmm. uh, so um, and and forcing people to take vaccination that's also i know that there is a huge worldwide dilemma when it comes to when whether you take vaccinations or not and you know whether you are an anti-vaxxer which is a very pejorative um you know pejorative way of calling mm-hmm. people who yeah. with a different view on vaccinations mm-hmm. and it's a very difficult very very difficult very very complex situation mm-hmm. where uh, where there is not a straightforward answer that you mm-hmm. can just give and definitely not the answer that everyone would agree to um, because the opinions are so uh, so very opposite here yeah so i just made this kind of post simply because of what was going on in my own head you know mm-hmm. in no way i wanted to actually give a statement that i think that governments are actually you know evil <laughs> or yeah. doing something wrong or even by putting it into the same kind of line of questioning as children who are put at home, are they the monster, right? And there was quite a big response to that post of many people who were um, having this kind of reaction as if I was making a statement. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that what kind of rights are taken away from us and... And I am really, you know, like really, really considering here what's the biggest consequences in the long term mm-hmm. for the decisions that are taken right now. Because coronavirus can end up being a, yet another virus that mm-hmm. has taken some lives like many other viruses. And many other diseases. Yeah, many other viruses and many other diseases. And it can cause an economic breakdown in the world Mm -hmm. the the possible consequences are many people losing their uh, income losing their food losing their houses Mm -hmm. and that's very viable uh, you know scenarios Mm -hmm. for many people many many people who are not allowed to run their businesses who are fired from their jobs are facing this kind of scenario already now. Yeah. People are running out of money, you know, Mm -hmm. especially those who were already living from one salary to another salary and struggling to even, you know, make the ends meet. Mm -hmm. They are already uh, facing that scenario. So what really is, you know, the most dangerous here in this situation I mean, that's the, you, you cannot find the answer right now because that's, again, mm-hmm. yet another of those things that we can only evaluate in a years from now where we know all the uh, information, when we have all the information looking back. Mm-hmm. But now I have talked for a very long time and I am exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wow, Marta, bravo! <laughs> um, okay, I, I, then I can just respond to what you said. Um, I believe that only time will tell what are the biggest uh, consequences and what is who really was the monster. I think I can, uh, from my personal point of view, just say from for the very you know beginning opening, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of the virus. I'm just not. Maybe because I'm 38 and I'm of a good health. Maybe because I look at the statistics and I'm still not alarmed. And I see what is the category of people um, taking in consideration their age, health condition and so on who are actually affected by this. Maybe because uh, I don't know, I, I always trusted in my own body being able to fight any infections like I had pneumonias, bronchitis, uh, whatever. And I, you know, many times tough diseases and I was always getting healed, like probably most of us. So for some reason, the virus itself doesn't scare me at all. Um, I'm, I'm worried for the future. I, I will be honest, you know, I, uh, um, as you mentioned, there is a lot of people who are currently losing their jobs, closing down. I, I read in newspapers um, daily that, you know, uh, some company in Denmark had to close down their business, filed for bankruptcy. I meet every day someone who was just fired. Um, we at our household, you know, we are coping with the very awful uh, possibility of uh, my boyfriend shutting down his business because we won't be able to pay for the for the recording studio that he has because all of his jobs, gigs, concerts, everything got cancelled, right? So there is the economical aspect. But in the economical aspect of it, what kind of scares me if something would scares me, what scares me the most is that always on the ruins of an economical disaster, uh, all kind of funky, funky things were born. Totalitarianism, uh, dictatorships, you know, the, the, this is exactly how, uh, you know, uh, dictators like Hitler, Mussolini, Franco rise to power because of the economic, you know, uh, breakdown in the countries after the First World War. And it's not i'm not i'm not comparing this at all i'm just showing a certain historical pattern when countries are in shock there is even a book about this the shock doctrine when there is some kind of a um a disaster natural disaster could be or any kind of economical crash there is a lot of radical ideas that are rising up and it's very easy to take over people who are shocked and who are more um, thinking less rationally because they are oh my god that was sound from me i'm sorry i didn't, I didn't hear know. anything you did okay sorry then sorry well uh, there are notifications flying around here so basically that's what worries me because this is like the the the, the soil on which historically i'm talking now about the historical um let's say proofs that we have when wherever there is a chaos wherever there is a crisis wherever there is a um, situation that affects people and they cannot think uh, rationally uh, some kind of hideous things are growing out of it right so that that is one thing and the second thing is the division between people i know that many people are saying that now it's the time to stand together 
and fight this virus together and we have to connect separately in our homes and you know like let's call our friends and stuff but then on a on a other level i see people fighting you know i see china and iran attacking us saying that it it was us who spread the virus in china through military then us pink pack says that this is china who is guilty for that then you see today i saw that some french doctors were saying that they think it's the best way to test vaccine on africans and then i see people from africa commenting saying what the hell are we or like a, a guinea pigs what the fuck test it on yourself then i see people who are the facebook police who are sitting in windows making pictures of people going on a walk and then i see people who are like what the fuck hello wake up we are being manipulated so there is a lot of groups now who are getting into conflict and that's what worries me. I'm also trying all the time soberly to estimate how much of this is my impression of things because I sit in internet, not in the real world. So it's very difficult to now go out and talk with people and see, hey, actually, no, everyone is friendly and we are still okay. But that's the danger. Once we are isolated homes and our only way of communicating with each other is through internet, via internet, we might get a very funky impression about the world we live in and the the impression i'm getting is that the world we are living in is dividing into even smaller and smaller groups who are getting super hostile so i'm i'm trying to point out people this might not be true because i myself might have this impression but the bad part is i have no way to check it because i'm locked home so, you know, once you will let yourself flow in this narrative and you will read those things, it's like, you know, you, you, you will be convinced that in two months we will have a third world war because China and US will start to attack each other. Or you will have a feeling that someone will photograph you and call on you on police because Facebook police, you know what I mean. So I don't know how much this is... Um, generated because of of the circumstances or how much is that the truth so i would say those are my two biggest concerns and if so the monsters that i'm afraid of the the conflict and division between certain groups of people and the fact that on chaotic economical breakdowns dictators and the worst things in history were rising those are two things that for the future I will keep my eye on. Well, one thing that came to my mind was that if the lockdown continues, it will be difficult to have a war because uh, people separated in their own houses couldn't fight that much, <laughs> especially if they could only go to at the, <laughs> at the same time. We no. will send robots or actually we will like throw COVID-20 and then catch COVID-21 and you know there is of course the theory that this is a man-made virus so you know maybe maybe there is like for every year there is a virus and then for every year there is a vaccine so you know we have to take all of this in consideration and I know that for many people thinking about those things it's ex extremely uncomfortable because we I don't want to live in a world when I cannot trust the government. I don't want to live in a world where I cannot trust people. I want to live in a world where everything is okay. 
and you know love and compassion and humanity wins but i am somehow you know my, my personality or character is a bit of a skeptic and a cynic so i actually observe those things and i worry but i know that for some people this is a huge shock that things might go that way because the generation that went for instance through dictatorship and war in europe is already 80. actually those are the guys who are passing away now <laughs> so we as generate we don't really have this memory we don't remember history repeats itself but we don't have that memories so for us this is a new thing and we can read about it in the history book or watch a documentary about how dictators are rising to power and say this will never happen again and then it happens again and i think that this is what people mean by history repeats itself because generations to second generation after the one that experienced that loses the memory of what happened wow interesting theory okay second generation you think already loses memory i was yeah. confirmed uh, con i was always not confirmed what the hell, convinced that it it takes longer that it takes more generations but it could also be what do we consider generation that can also sometimes be, uh, uh, you know it can also mean different things to mean uh, to different people what i am thinking about is that the most important thing in it is to stay sober and mm -hmm. i don't mean you know stop drinking alcohol entirely but this kind of other type of mm -hmm. sober and conscious stay mm -hmm. conscious stay open-minded because as we've mentioned we have no idea at this point mm -hmm. of time it's not you know you can have many different scenarios i've read quite an interesting article on bbc uh, mm -hmm. on what kind of four possible scenarios yeah. are awaiting for us and there is a scenario one where where that speaks about barbarism because for how long can you put people on a lockdown right yeah people are not meant to be separated in their own uh, homes we are yeah. hardwired to be in community to be you know mm -hmm. so we have a part of ourselves that is still the animal part and we are a pack, you know, we want to live in packs. Yeah. Yeah. And let's not forget that many people are separated from their families. We, Marta, are one of those fortunate ones or unfortunate ones that are locked with our families. But I was talking yesterday to my friend. She's separated from her family in Poland. She cannot, uh, you know, go home. I know here a guy who is in Frederician. He hasn't seen his family who is in... Uh, bosnia for a month because he cannot travel and he's losing his mind so we also have to remember that there are people who are going through a complete uh, nightmare because they are separated from the people they love the most yeah so basically uh keep your eyes open and it's not about becoming obsessive because whether you are becoming obsessive on uh, coronavirus itself getting yeah scared and panicked about the disease checking or, the numbers every hour and so on yeah or if you are becoming obsessive or dark uh, you know dark sighted about mm -hmm. possible you know complete economic disaster or whether it is about possible you know uh, i don't know dictatorships or whatever mm -hmm. it's not good for a for the mental health either mm -hmm. no big amounts of fear and panic and obsession you know serve us 
as humans, neither as individuals nor as crowds. So it really is a lot about taking care of your mental and emotional uh, state in mm -hmm. all that and keeping open-minded and keeping, you know, this kind of sobriety where you are mm -hmm. sobriety, but now it's, it's too much, like it really relates too much to uh, alcohol, right? If we call sobriety, if we call it sobriety, yeah, maybe some open-mindedness, maybe that's, yeah. uh, that's what we should, you know, consciousness and open-mindedness and, you know, yeah. neither avoiding too much and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and not letting any information in is good, nor obsessive, you know, worry and obsessive, you know, mm -hmm. um, anxiety, fear, and yeah. so on. So, question number four. Mm -hmm. Why does media show the disease as so deadly? Maybe that can be a short question, huh? Short question it is. Uh, you mean you want the short answer, okay. right? <laughs> um yeah i was thinking about the same of course you know we have to remember that uh, uh, there is this uh, very nice saying and i don't remember who was the author it was one of the media i think it was a fox director by the way i think he was uh, he went down for sexual assault i think he said that people don't want to be informed people want to feel that they are informed so uh, that was something that gave me a lot of thinking. So even when we look at how people are, uh, are reading the articles today, the headline is everything. Many people are reading only the headline and, uh, and they are jumping then into the comment section to, to give their opinion. So uh, let's start by saying that headline is in these times everything. So headlines have to be attractive for people to click on, right? And we know why uh, media and newspapers need those headlines to be clicked because they make money on the traffic, be it on internet when they have advertisers or being on TV or on YouTube right now because most of it goes also to YouTube when you are making a lot of money on advertising as well. So uh, more people read, more money is being made. That's how media always worked. So uh, I believe that I've noticed definitely that many times we have a title that says something like killer virus or coronavirus, our uh, ultimate enemy, or uh, you have a headline, I don't know, 12-year-old girl dies on coronavirus and that's the headline right you read that and you can go bonkers like oh my god this is this big enemy you know coronavirus will attack me from the bushes from the air you know whatever or oh my god children are dying now when you will click on that article and you will read through you will discover that this is just basically some Speculations, for instance, the case of, of, of children dying are still extremely, extremely rare. But that will make the headline because one 12 year old girl died and they cannot give any background information because they don't have it. So they have a sentence from a family member uh, who says uh, she was healthy. We don't think she had no problem. We think she had no health problems. 
but then people read through if they read through and then they are you know looking at it and they are like okay so actually we don't know what happened but many people will only stop at the headline or will just click it browse through and will get an opinion so yeah it can be all about the money click me click me please yeah so i was thinking about it because i found myself having a lot of this kind of very panic producing fear producing headlines in my own feed when i was looking information for information on google yeah and then checking the official versions mm -hmm. not confirming this kind of approach uh, mm -hmm. not this kind of level of fear i mean yeah it does not seem that the virus is deadly compared to many other viruses mm -hmm. actually few of the viruses that are common in the world that are so not deadly so mm -hmm. you know i mean okay we were talking malaria ebola you know uh, influenza uh, i don't know virus pneumonia you know pneumonia based on virus uh, mm -hmm. that can also be based on bacteria i mean i'm not a specialist here so i'm not gonna be attempting mm -hmm. you know uh, doing a lot of that and i was like how come media is not taking the higher road here to try to inform the society as good as possible to be mm -hmm. as thorough in the research as thorough in information as possible mm -hmm. Why, how is it possible that in the times when we are going through such a big crisis because no matter if it's a crisis considered for the virus or considered for the economy or considered for you know whatever huge global impact we are seeing right now mm -hmm. the media really 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 is breaking the reason why they even exist and this kind of stories where there is a footage given let's say from uh, i think you've mentioned about this situation yeah. where there was a footage from new york city yeah, that was actually, I checked it, it was CBS. CBS showed the news coverage, exactly, from New York City. Yeah, yeah, continue. That was in reality from Italy? Yeah. Yeah, that was discovered to be from Italy. I mean, come on, how are you serving the humanity by, mm -hmm. like, absolutely wrong information? Because yeah. one thing is that you have, Anna, been on an investigative uh, research mm -hmm. on many articles and finding that the sources were not solid yeah. at all. That's one thing and that's not cool. And yeah. the other thing is actually showing on purpose wrong information. Yeah. You know, like that's yet another thing. And we had a really great show with Estefania once mm -hmm. on that topic, uh, mm -hmm. you know, like what's going on with media and how have we, and, and yet again, the situation here is complex as well because now almost anything can be a media, right? So yeah. that's also, again, a definition of what media is. And mm -hmm. um, I don't know, the tabloids, such a, such a low, you know, usage of human fears uh, yeah. in those times. I, I don't know. So, of yeah. course, looking... Continue, continue, continue yeah. Of course, looking always look into what information are you reading mm -hmm. and actually read through the information and of course you can always question even those 
portals like BBC or Washington Post or I don't know this kind of world recognized uh, media, which has also had history in the past of being manipulated by governments and so on. Mm -hmm. We know that those things can happen, but at least use those. Forget mm. about tabloids because it doesn't serve any good to anyone. Mm -hmm. Unless you actually want to thrive on fear and panic, then sure, why not? Yeah. Right? If that if that's yeah. yeah, if that works for you, of course. I'm who am I to judge? You know here, yeah. but really, really. Of course, it's not true for all the media. I have seen amazing and really good and really profound, well-balanced, well-written articles. Mm -hmm. They they are quite long, though. So yeah, you, you because have to, they have to deal with a lot of shit. Yeah, and they have to actually straight up a lot of shit. So that's also something. Maybe if the article is very short with a very scary title. Mm -hmm. uh, Maybe that's also the article that can take information out of context and make it worse than it really is. And maybe instead of reading, you know, 10 of these kind of articles or looking through, skimming through, maybe it could be more useful to read two, three articles mm -hmm. from very different sources yeah. and really read them through. I completely agree, but uh, unfortunately, and you know, those research were, were done way before the coronavirus times that, you know, an average attention span of an average person is uh, basically like five seconds. So in five seconds, you have to grab a person attention so the person will continue reading your article. So what is the most important is the headline. And the first paragraph, which is also many times an expert that you are showing when you are sharing on social media. So it truly has to be something that will grab attention. Then when people are reading, they tend to read five paragraphs and then they drop it. And I don't know if you noticed, but all of those articles that are very uh, fear mongering and very... Uh, uh, panicky they are short they have four to five paragraphs so they are having the perfect formula for someone to actually continue reading and then you know it's um it, it, that that's the very sad reality and i actually uh, am interested in in journalism and uh, always was always wanted to be a journalist and um, you know, way before coronavirus, there was a lot of violations of mainstream media as to how they are presenting certain situations, uh, also using footage from, like, for instance, uh, one of the examples, you know, the wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, new bombings, they are showing the same footage from three years ago from other location, just to make that feeling of be afraid, be very afraid the bombs are dropping. And they are many times being actually called off and then they are quickly apologizing and taking the material down. But the damage is done because many times the apology or the, you know, the straight up, we were wrong, does not get to that many people because that's not clickbait. 
clickbait was that I don't know the bomb has fallen somewhere or yeah coronavirus is killing children now no one is safe I swear to God I have seen a headline like this and I checked and it was referring to I think three children we are talking about a disease that apparently three billion of us is exposed to because three billion of us is under lockdown and we are talking about exemptions of, of very unfortunate ex exemptions and I'm saying this as a mother it's horrible to hear something like this but it's an exemption nevertheless but the title is coronavirus is killing children now wanted us do we have something else to sum up of why do media or certain media because that's mm -hmm. not necessarily everything make the virus look so deadly or do we have something Else to well, uh, there is, of course, another theory, which is maybe not that popular, uh, because I think that the, the whole mechanism of clickbait, we all know this mechanism, and we many times we forget about it, but we know it exists. We know that media are making money of clickbaits. We know all of that. We have websites dedicated to checking the fake news, false news, and so on, right? Well, the other thing is that media was always a main tool of propaganda used by many governments throughout the history, uh, especially the history that is recorded. You know, this is how governments were spreading their propaganda through. This is uh, something that was used, you no, know, let's say, by many. We know actually the master of propaganda, which was Goebbels. So basically, through use, using media as a propaganda tool, uh, in Germany, uh, effectively, it was possible to alienate the entire Jewish uh, society there before they were actually, you know, sent to concentration camps. They were so, it, it's called social debt. Jews were, had no rights and it was gradually happening, right? It, it, it was happening on a span of almost 10 years. First, they were taken rights off, then they couldn't do this, they couldn't do that. And in the same time, media, meaning newspapers at that time, were producing more and more press describing Jews in this or other ways. And then at the end of the day, no one cared because people got so used to this information that they dehumanized that group that's just an example because of course you know especially that we are from poland we have it on the history classes you know how goebbels use um, media as his propaganda tool but that's always used especially public media because let's not forget that we have two groups here we have the public media and we have the private media so public media is the main tv main tv channel in in uh, denmark it's dear one dear two the the dear tv right in poland we have tvp tvp sounds quite weird so basically and those are sponsored from our taxes this is where our abonnement or subscription money go and they depend on the government basically so this is a yeah we could say government um, dependent media then we have a private media where many time times run by people who are very very rich and have their own interests so you know here we have a quite big I would say possibilities for the abuse right and then we have independent media which are done by two three dudes somewhere sponsored by their subscribers but that doesn't have the reach 
And now when we have also, by reach, I mean it doesn't get to that many people because you have to really search for those. Because now in times of Google and Facebook, Google and Facebook knows best what's best for you to read. So basically you are being served those news because the algorithm is built that way. And, uh, the, you know, it's like I never watched this, but now I go on my YouTube and what is being proposed to me is BBC, CNN, some kind of feeds. It's like, dude, I don't even watch that. How did you even came to understand my uh, browsing history to give me this? But it's there. And once you click it, you're in a loop. You will get CNN and BBC all the time proposed to you over and over again. So it, 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 that's why it, it's all, we, we all really have to, you know, be aware of that, that the public media, are dependent on the government and their founding and they are established to help government educate but also indoctrinate us then we have the private media who are owned by very rich people who also have their interests and agendas and uh, then we have um, basically huge companies like facebook and google and youtube which basically youtube and google is one and the same who are serving us the news that they think are the most important and appropriate for us to read. So in order to get information from other sources, you really need to make effort now to actually, you know, start to dig into alternative narratives. So then coming back to the actual question, we would have to say, okay, uh, if this fear is spreading, Oh my God, my cat woke up and I got really afraid. If this fear spreading has a purpose, um, then what's the purpose taking in consideration who controls those, uh, those media outlets? What would be the benefit for those media, media owners to spread that? right that's a different path to take from the money path because obviously there is money involved clickbaits and people watching and and so on and the other path would be to ask who will actually benefit from this why why maybe this is to make us more scared to obey the rules of the lockdown uh, maybe this maybe that but you know in the end of the day in two three four years we will follow the money we always follow the money we always look back and see who made the most money on coronavirus and i guess we will have more answers by then okay so if you want to stay informed now mm. you want to have a possibility to form your own opinion mm -hmm. what would you propose to people anna how would you how would you say for people where to get informed well um i was let's say fortunate enough to build myself already a, a list or a feed on youtube and uh, subscribe to independent journalists a couple of years ago right so now uh, even if my feed is being populated with with a lot of uh, mainstream media i still have a sub subscriptions to those I understand it will be kind of crooked if I would say, okay, dear listeners, now I will give you a couple of propositions and you follow because this is me proposing something to you. But I guess uh, even if it looks as it looks like, 
try to Google something and go on the third page of results instead of the first one. Or look for independent media outlets. Just Google that and, and see what, what jumps out. Because I have a couple of, uh, of journalists who I follow and who have a lot of alternative uh, narratives towards what's happening and they make very good analysis and stuff but that's something because i uh, i already built that let's say back knowledge for not knowledge back um, sources of information i know where to look uh, but yeah try to see what third page on google will show you instead of always going on the first one that could be a good start because for me what i have been trying to do i have been trying to check information in several different languages. That's mm -hmm. like uh, my thing to try to see if there are different narratives in different countries. Mm -hmm. So I usually check some information in Polish. I check mm -hmm. some information in Danish and I check some information in English, both from US and from UK. Mm -hmm. I try to search for some information between uh, public and private mm -hmm. uh, media. So I, I, I try to check, let's say, five different sources, like mm -hmm. randomly selected. I don't have specific people I follow. Mm -hmm. There is, of course, I, there is always someone you kind of personally trust. So, for example, I really like a guy called Mark Manson. Mm -hmm. And uh, then when he writes about Corona, I mm -hmm. read it and I like his approach. Mm -hmm. Well-balanced and so on. I don't know if that's the right approach because he's still kind of pro lockdown, but at least the way he serves that information is not to spread the mm -hmm. fear is not to make people feel bad because that's what I dislike. If it's obviously, if obviously the purpose of something that is written is to make people go into fear is to feed off people's fears. That's what yeah. I, that's what I dislike personally. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking for information that is obviously written as objective as possible, information that is taken under consideration several different sources, and mm -hmm. those sources are given in mm -hmm. that article and so on. So I'm looking for something like that. So for sure, that's also subjective because that responds to yeah. my life, right? That responds yeah. to what I'm looking for. However, I always check both independent and public and private and in different languages. Mm -hmm. So that's my way to kind mm -hmm. of, you know, uh, to kind of find my perspective because I believe that by checking on several different perspectives, mm -hmm. you can open up, you can open to your own perspective. If mm -hmm. you just follow one narrative, you are staying in just one narrative. And yeah. there is not just one truth, right? Truth is relevant. Yeah, truth is relevant, of course. And also yes. relative. And also there is a problem with facts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's true. In history, facts, which should be something that everyone agrees to, changing. Changing mm -hmm. significantly. Because we are evolving and our knowledge is evolving. So that's why, you know, being open, staying mm -hmm. open, and having an ability to use the critical and rational thinking mm -hmm. and taking under consideration that something that appears to be true today might look different tomorrow and might look different today after tomorrow. And uh, yeah, 
I think that's it what I had to say. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, the only thing um, I would uh, recommend you to, to, to implement when you are checking um, the same news in other languages, you can also check the source because many times I have also noticed that it's basically Reuters that is the main source and then the rest of the newspapers are copying the same article and put the Reuters, uh, the Reuters in, the, uh, in, the, in the source. And the Reuters, who, who was for me like, uh, you know, years ago, a holy grail of objective journalism has already made a couple of shady things over the years. So it's also dangerous when you have one source and then, because that's how media also work, you know, Reuters is considered uh, to be the really uh, objective, valuable source of information. And if you have media outlets in several countries just basically quoting Reuters and giving it as a, as, as, as the fact or the truth, that's also something we fall into, uh, poten something potentially dangerous we fall into. But that is actually a very good point that you said that it's good to check how it looks in different countries. And now we have also this huge, huge, um, I would say uh, war, uh, 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 war, I'm doing the, the uh, urbanist or quote mark, quoting marks, because if you will look at the press at the Western side, you will see that, you know, more and more countries or people in countries or people from comments, or I don't know, maybe artificial intelligence, but there is this feeling that people are like China should take consequences, it's their fault, they lied about the virus and blah, blah, blah. And of course, there is a radical part who says uh, this was man-made and they released it, blah, blah, blah. It's, uh, like it's a war that China has planned. And then you have, on the other hand, if you can get an access to more alternative sources or you pay attention to a headline number 12 on your Google search because we are in Western Europe, you see that, you know, Chinese officials are officially now uh, saying that uh, US, uh, you brought this virus on us with your military and I, uh, Iran is now, yeah, China, we are with you, it's US and Russia starts to join. It's a completely different, like, uh, you know, universe because uh, people in, in West, they see things like China, yeah, the cheap labor, the communism, but kind of rich, kind of dangerous. Russia, the communists, Putin, KGB, whatever, right? That's what we see. Those people in those countries sees us in a different way. So basically uh, looking at different countries and what they are publishing as articles you can see huge difference on what is really going on so that was a very good tip that you gave that you know checking different countries in different languages what's going on because you might be super surprised i didn't mean to use super surprised but you know what i mean you might be like whoa really now I, I cannot read chinese yeah, me too. Honestly, me too. And I cannot read Russian mm -hmm. because those are different. Uh, those are different, uh, completely different alphabets. And that's a pity because, of course, you can use Google Translate, but it's Google Translate, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So this is a time when I would really like to, you know, have a direct access 
uh, to, to those uh, to those internets and the press and everything because I believe we would discover a completely different world out there. And that's actually quite funny in all of this, not funny in a haha way, but it's unbelievable that you may sit in Russia and you might have a completely different narrative about the whole situation. You might actually, might, maybe there is no fear from, for, from virus. I don't even know if Russia is on a lockdown. I haven't checked, to be honest, Russia. Yeah. So basically, and you know, and, and, and I, I read it was mentioned in the press that now apparently uh, there is this Shanghai, um, like an economic um, friendship club. <laughs> I really don't know how it's called, but the members of the My Little Pony Shanghai Friendship Economic Club is Russia, China. Uh, I've, I, I'm not sure if there is japan there but there is turkmenistan afghanistan so basically all those countries that us technically has something against that's a coincidence of course and they have their own uh, you know uh, friendship club and they are now actually saying we are not going to use dollar anymore to back up our uh, transactions you know like fuck off and they are planning to to basically use their own currency to back up all the international transactions and have everything covered in gold backed up with gold or silver dollar is an international global currency that is the you know the backup currency suddenly half of the world is saying we don't want you dollar anymore and that can have a potential massive consequences but you will never read that in the press on the west side right because we don't report on that you have to dig somewhere 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 and know someone who can translate you something so i cannot even guarantee that the i know that the my little pony friendship uh, club from shanghai exists that's even on wikipedia and what are their goals but i cannot confirm even that because i have only one source so I cannot do the double, triple, you know, whatever check on that information. What is this thing but, with my little pony? I don't know, because I sit in my daughter's room and you know, it's like when I say, because I didn't want to say that it's some Shanghai economic group, I didn't remember. So I was like, friendship club. And then I sit in my daughter's room and I see my little pony book and that's the friendship club. So I don't know why I made this connection. And I think it sounds cute. Yeah, but because you repeated that several times, I started to worry that maybe some people that don't necessarily know you very well could think potentially. That's an effect of the lockdown as well. And please mind where I'm recording. I'm recording in a teenage girl uh, room. So, yeah, and there was a lot of My Little Pony shit going on here for the years. Uh, for the past year so that's why but you know and uh, but yeah so i also find it very curious that we basically only rely on the press from the country we're in the international media and we think cnn and bbc that's all and the us we have uh, i i have no access to i don't read anything from africa anything from south america uh, not to mention i don't know the language or from china or from russia god knows what is the reality there it's yeah, actually well, quite interesting it also helps you to get some perspective you know like to you know maybe this is only <laughs> here in our head you know 
Yeah. Well, luckily, I have friends all over the world. Mm-hmm. So I do have a possibility to at least from time to time to check some of the things that they are sharing mm-hmm. from different countries, including Africa, including uh, South America. Mm-hmm. I do not have, however, probably too many friends from China that I could read exactly. about. So that could be interesting. I also don't have any friends in Russia. Surprise, surprise. Maybe it was time to actually get friendly with Russia. We do have some Russian friends, so Mm -hmm. that could... uh, But anyway, that's another possible solution. If you do have friends from like very different countries, from very Mm -hmm. different cultures than the Western uh, uh, culture... That are in those countries, by the way. But at least, you know, you are more linked because you have a family, right? Still Mm -hmm. in that country. So you don't necessarily need to live there you have an, a pretty good idea of what's going on in Poland, right? Even if you don't live in Poland, right? I, I think so, although that's, that's some scary shit, if I'm to be honest, if I'm to believe. And I have to say that my main source of information, if there would be any, because I try not to talk about politics with my Polish friend for, friends for a simple reason. I've heard this is a topic that you don't mention unless you want to fight. So I'm just not asking my friends, but my mom watches the public TV. And I think we both know that there is a certain problem with a public TV in Poland since we have the ruling uh, government. And um, yeah, the things she's getting there are quite cosmic. Yeah, well, so that's an interesting perspective from a country that has the media completely controlled Mm -hmm. by a ruling country, uh, uh, which is an interesting uh, scenario as well because you have media, you have Mm -hmm. a country which is still to a large degree controlled and still to a large degree free. So you have private sector media that are freely showing a completely different scenario on many different things than the public media. I think in Poland we can see it so clearly. It's a very, very interesting scenario that we have Mm -hmm. in the country. So still that, that was a good point how to stay informed and how to be able to obtain access to several different perspectives. Because it's always good to have more than one perspective, more than one narrative for your own ability to keep open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Talk to your totally. friends from different countries. Yeah. But also be aware because if it's my mom that you try to talk with, you probably won't get the, the right Yeah, but also, you know, yeah. of course, something very important to mention, never base your opinion on opinion of one person, right? So yeah. it's more like um, a way to stay open. And mm-hmm. also still knowing that's a perspective from one person, yet it's an interesting perspective if you compare it with other perspectives. Mm-hmm. Okay, are we now uh, done with this short question that was supposed to take 10 minutes and took 40? Yeah, I think we we have exhausted it. I would just like to mention that if any of our listeners uh, have any follow-up questions, we still... Uh, have our website which is uh, fully functional operation by the way it's a new website you know in all this 
madness i forgot to tell people that uh, we we have a new website like we redesigned it and it's completely uh, different and it looks different and i hope it's more functional and user friendly so you can always go there and just approach us uh, directly send us a message or you can even uh, write a comment under the the podcast episode uh, because every uh, podcast episode is also on our website so if you have any questions any opinions just shoot we have nothing else to do just don't shoot us don't shoot us we still want yeah. to live a little bit longer we have children to raise yes, yes. So, uh, please don't shoot us okay yeah. let's move on to the question number five how to mm -hmm. stay sane open and conscious in these times and actually we did discuss quite a lot both the sanity which is questionable on our own behalf yeah let's let's face it which is i think we exhibited quite a big openness uh, mm -hmm. through our discussions and i think especially when it comes to information we gave many different possibilities and options mm -hmm. and things to consider if you want to stay open mm -hmm. however let's get into it how are we taking care of ourselves in these times so now we are living through something quite uh, out of ordinary being mm -hmm. locked down in our own homes you have mentioned that your reality hasn't changed much because you were at home anyway on maternity leave mm -hmm. uh, with uh, with a baby so basically i guess that's quite understandable there is not a huge change uh, in your circumstances however you you mentioned that still some of those things that are happening in the world are a pretty big concern for you mm -hmm. so sure. how are you taking care of your mental health your sanity and so on in those times well of course you know uh, one of the things which we also discussed privately is me trying to in any way uh, at least open uh, open the gates of possible not bill gates gates <laughs> but open the gates of possibilities of what is happening um, and and to do it for other people so basically i would love people to uh, first of all not to panic that much and be more conscious and uh, and aware of what is happening um so i i had this um, I would say a dream of mine that I can do something about it but uh, for the time being I don't really think I can be that effective with my preaching and maybe that's maybe that's a good thing so what basically keeps me sane and this is um, as you mentioned very well I am on maternity leave plus I'm an introvert people this is this is for me like a, uh, this is nothing for me the isolation the lockdown i'm with my family i'm doing really fine from this point of view so i don't have to struggle with those things what i do have to let's say struggle with is yes my general concern on where this world is going through and my financial situation which i will be honest is gravely affected for the time being because my boyfriend he's a he's an entrepreneur and a music producer and basically he has no work because of the lockdown so to keep myself sane i just turned to my greatest passion which is writing 
and uh, I think writing because I'm writing a short story which is fictional I had the lockdown diary for for some time I was having that sometimes I still write something but after some time I realized that I'm still a mother of a nine-month-old uh, baby and I have a daughter and I simply don't have that much time to write so now I'm writing a, a short fictional story where I can basically probably release all that you know worry and tension that I have towards the future of the world and convey it into a fictional story and that is something I was always doing in my life to 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 basically to cope with problems I was writing uh, so I guess many people have those things, those hobbies or those things they feel really well when they are really good when they are doing it, that have some kind of cathar cathartic um, effect. What? Effect? Effect, exactly. Thank you, Marta, on them. So basically this is what I have uh, have turned to. And hopefully, maybe because of, um, I don't know, um, some track of luck, I will maybe be able to, I don't know, get some donations after I'll publish this because I don't plan to sell my story or to, you know, sell it per, uh, like, a, like a book. But, you know, I want to make it available for people to read. And maybe if someone likes it, he will be able to donate something. That's one creative way of trying to get some additional income in the house, right? And uh, the second thing I'm doing, I just simply, I don't know, try, I, I, I have to be honest that I kind of like 50% of the time, I don't remember about the coronavirus. It's uh, especially when I'm outside. And I think I also told you that yesterday, when I'm outside, not in a group of 10 people, I would like to just to say, just alone or with my family. And, you know, I look around and I see that uh, the, um, the nature is coming back to life and the birds are singing. It's very easy to forget that we are fighting the deadly virus. You know, it's, it's like the world is as it is. You know, the spring is coming. It's, uh, it gives you some sort of a soothing, therapeutical um feeling i don't know if you it, it's like th this is the actual reality i actually saw it somewhere a couple of days ago that we are living in a dual reality system there is an objective reality and that is the world we live in the planet earth the nature the rivers whatever the law of nature physics and so on and then there is this fictional reality like nations and countries and governments and systems and economics because it's fictional because if we get rid of that the world still spins so basically the foundation of the real world is the objective world which is the, the nature and everything that surrounds us and other people but the 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 fictional reality is is everything we as humans created and the funny thing is that the rest of the nature doesn't participate in our so-called delusion, right? <laughs> because the, the animals, they don't know what currency is. Uh, the trees don't know what is the government. The river doesn't care about the taxes. This is all our own common delusion of how what's important in this life. 
And I really like that, you know, I really like that approach because it allowed me to keep myself more grounded and to be like, yeah, objective world is fine. We are fine for the time being. Life goes on. Actually, life blossoms right now. So maybe we are worrying or I am worrying too much because I'm worrying about the fictional, delusional hallucination that 7.8 billion humans have instead of looking at trillions of billions of other little organisms here who are doing fine without our craziest ideas, right? So that somehow helps me when I observe the world and the natural world, when I disconnect from the internet, then this allows me to do other things. Uh, things like spending time with my family, making relentless fun. I think I actually, in my house, I am the, the troll. I am the, <laughs> the one that is pissing off my child, not the other way around. I love to tease my older daughter and I tease my boyfriend and he, he teases us back. And only the nine month old, she is the only safe one in this uh, vicious game of teasing and pranking because she cannot get it yet. But it, I don't know, we have a sense of humor. Then we watch a movie. It's like we try to... To, to remember, you know, we are here, a family, and uh, let's enjoy ourselves, even if the situation is as it is. We will figure out eventually, you know, uh, how things will turn. So um, that is what helps me, definitely. And then in the worst moments when I'm like, oh my God, can my worst ideas really happen? I go on YouTube. And I am learning how to build my own house from a trash. And I'm learning about how to make a fire and electricity. And that's my coping mechanism. I actually try to uh, upskill my survival skills. So I, I look at this homestead, parma gardening, um, you know, like trying to put myself in the shoes. Okay, it's like, can I live like that? Can I learn to live like that? What would it take to build a house like that? You know, there are many cheap solutions to it. And uh, and that suits my deepest fears, you know, because then I don't feel so, how to call it, vulnerable, you know, because I perceive my personal vulnerability in the situation because I'm so connected to the system. So I'm connected to the monetary system. I'm connected to the uh labor market system i'm connected to uh, all kind of pro service providing systems right so technically speaking if you will put me in the middle of a forest i don't know how to make fire where to get water you know th those kind of things we are really really system dependent we are not like you know three generations ago people were able to do so much more because there were no technological miracles around them there is an upside and the downside is that we really are vulnerable. And that's something that personally uh, eats me sometimes that, you know, I feel very vulnerable and I think it frustrates me because I know I can change it. I know I can contribute more time to learn to be more independent. And I sometimes don't do it because Facebook happens or whatever, right? So then when I feel this kind of really like a fear for the future, I try to upskill myself in, in the basic 
basic skills of, of I don't know, living very much of grid. And it helps me. That was all, Marta. Okay. Well, I wanted to r refer to one of the things that you said about the nature. Mm -hmm. so I have noticed that that was number one. That has been number one thing that was that has been keeping me sane in mm -hmm. the last few weeks. I go out almost every day, once a day, to the forest or to the beach. And that was also the thing that has been making me extremely... Uh, how to say i don't know the, the word sorry is not the right one but my heart was going out to all the people who are fully locked down in their houses that cannot go out of their houses that there are countries uh, compassion yeah maybe about compassion yeah uh, maybe compassion is the best uh, word for people who are completely locked down for people who mm -hmm. are living in huge story buildings in highly populated cities which yeah. are now on a full lockdown and my my heart really was going out there and that was one of the things that was making me feel the most off for mm -hmm. you know, for because okay this kind of lockdown that we have here in Denmark where we are still allowed to you know to go out yeah to keep our distance physical distance to other people but we are allowed to go to the forest. We are allowed to go to the beach. We are not allowed to go to the mountain simply because there are no mountains in Denmark. Mountain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's and it. it's and it's not spectacular. Sorry, the Denmark. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that was what I was thinking. That that I find cruel. I find mm -hmm. cruel the world where people cannot choose to leave their own house and uh, find the consolation in nature and very difficult for me to find a, a justification for keeping that kind of high level of lockdown even though i have an understanding for high amount millions of people living on a small uh, scale still mm -hmm. um very difficult for me to absorb it very very difficult mm -hmm. for me personally to absorb it so yeah, number one thing for me to keep sane in all that is nature. I do have the same reflection that when I go out to nature, I actually feel connected. And I feel that there is another world than only this coronavirus lockdown uh, pandemic world that is, only, is the only thing that is available right now because you mm -hmm. cannot meet with other people. And the only thing that is available on media, social media, is coronavirus, pandemics, and lockdown. There is basically nothing else that is uh, surrounding our world if we mm -hmm. want to stay in any way digitally connected. Yeah. So it's, it's bombarding you all over, all over, all over. There is basically nothing else that people talk about, write about, and so on. Mm -hmm. So nature has been an amazing way for me. Another thing that keeps me sane is taran, taran, my little trampoline. <laughs> I, uh, my husband and I, as soon as we heard about a possible lockdown that we didn't know how much freedom there will still be to leave the house, having mm -hmm. our three boys, that was our first purchase. It was not the toilet paper. It was a trampoline. <laughs> and probably that was the wisest one. And uh, 
as much as the kids use it as well, I think I am the most frequent user of the trampoline. Okay. I really find uh, when this kind of low vibration emotions are present in my body as frustration or some anger or some fear, I really go out to this trampoline and I put on some good music and I jump to move the energy because there is limitation to how much I can go out to that forest. And I'm also still at least trying to keep my business of afloat. And I'm also homeschooling the children. So there is a, uh, there is a limit to, you know, I, I need to find a way to, to find space for everything. So yeah. Plus I've heard that the squirrels have called the police that you are too spending too much time in their forest. Maybe. So you know, Maybe. they are. Yeah, they, I think I think they have enough of us. Those those natural creatures. Yeah. So basically, having a possibility to move my body at home mm -hmm. to some music that I like, it really helps me to move through those difficult emotions. Also, because I do have a disease that is uh, connecting the emotional and physical uh, realms very. Uh, uh, very tightly which is uh, uh -huh. called fibromyalgia and any emotional distress causes physical pain symptoms in me very quickly uh -huh. a possibility to move my body a little bit because I also cannot move my body a lot because that also worsens the physical symptoms it helps me to stay healthy on that both emotional mental and physical level so the thing that keeps me healthy also, when I need to release some frustration related to being bombarded by the war, war Polish version of Mami Mamushu a million times, <laughs> it's my little trampoline. It really, really helps me. So that's the number two thing that I use to stay sane. The third thing that I started to use is waking up before my family wakes up, uh, because just as many of us have found ourselves in a situation where we are isolated in a sense of lonely, when we are living alone uh, and we don't have enough uh, human uh, contact. I am locked down at home with three very active boys and I struggle to find any time where I can have any uh, loneliness. So mm -hmm. basically in order uh, to be able to have any of that time, I need to wake up before my family because kids who are used to spending so much time actively, suddenly having that activity reduced, they are not sleepy in the evening. So mm -hmm. I lost my evenings uh, due to coronavirus, no, due to the lockdown. <laughs> uh, so uh, my evenings due to coronavirus. Yeah, so it's, it's true. My kids it's are not tired in the evening because yeah. their activity level, no matter how much I try to, you know, to use a trampoline or take them for a walk, is still way lower than they would usually have. Mm -hmm. So basically, mm -hmm. I'm waking up every morning, mm -hmm. one, two hours before everyone else wakes up, and I'm having my alone time. And I am using that time to process through all my fears, all my difficult emotions, and uh, I'm using that uh, for, yeah, for keeping sane, keeping conscious. And, uh, and that has a fantastic effect on me because the first week when I did not prioritize that ended up in me being in a very low 
very low emotional state uh, after a week. And uh, since I started doing that and proactively every day taking care of my mental health, my emotional health and my uh, spiritual health uh, came up to the place where I am capable of uh, taking it well. I'm taking it pretty well now. The, the whole lockdown, being with my children, using the time to heal the family. And uh, yeah, so that would be my main strategies uh, for, uh, for keeping myself sane and conscious and open mm-hmm. in that current world. That sounds pretty good to me, my dear. And I think we should be finishing soon as we probably are hitting two hours mark in a moment. But before we will, I would like to ask you a question because I think this is something that many of our listeners could use um, for themselves. You are also uh, having some meetings, online virtual meetings. Uh, that's another not. thing that I forgot to mention but of course I am also looking a lot into what is my mission and what is mm-hmm. my purpose in life and mm-hmm. um, taking that away completely uh, as my my business is my passion is my mission is my purpose so mm-hmm. helping people through sessions helping people through workshops that's all been cancelled due to a lockdown Mm -hmm. so suddenly I have also um, found myself in a situation where I need to think creatively on how do I actually not only keep my business alive Mm -hmm. but also how do I keep my purpose my mission Mm -hmm. alive and I am trying to do as much as possible online Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah I started to create uh, basically zoom video conferences in a few communities one mm-hmm. for others because that's definitely something i know how first how frustrating it is how difficult it is and also how to deal with that because that's something mm-hmm. i am very well trained every single day mm-hmm. um, and uh, i do have some good tools and techniques uh, mm-hmm. for trying to help there and also in other communities. So if you are finding yourself feeling low emotionally, if you're finding yourself struggling with the current situation, please do reach out to us through the5options.com and we, uh, at least I will then be able yeah. to include you in some of the initiatives that I am running privately for free. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, for people and that's something very very important to me i don't know how i forgot about it i guess i'm tired after talking so much <laughs> yeah some- i i could imagine but i think that this is something that our listeners could find useful if they would know if they kn- knew that there is a possibility to maybe join a meeting and from what i understand for instance this mother's meeting it's something that happens weekly right well, I have uh, tried to keep it as uh, as weekly mm-hmm. as a weekly thing. I do choose different themes. So one was mm-hmm. related on how to deal with fear and anxiety. There mm-hmm. was one how to deal with uh, frustration and anger. So I am also choosing different themes, and I am planning to continue doing at least once uh, one meeting a week. 
Mm-hmm. And um, and I really I'm really grateful that you have Anna picked that up because you did mention about your coping uh, strategy as turning into your passion, mm-hmm. turning into writing because that's something that I have completely forgotten to mention because uh, definitely one thing is turning into your mission and mm-hmm. your purpose. So what is that you want to bring to this life and mm-hmm. doing activities just in a different format. If you cannot do it physically anymore, that's amazingly important. And I think everyone can benefit from looking into that, into what's my purpose, what's my mission, how Mm -hmm. I can help. Mm -hmm. And also that other thing of the passion, which is hopefully connected also to your purpose and mission in life. Yeah, would be good. Yeah, but also on this, you know, artistic level where you can paint, write, dance, you know, whatever it is that the form of expression that you have, because mm-hmm. maybe I like to dis- differentiate for myself when it's a self-expression, when I'm using some sort of art or passion for self-expression for myself, and when I'm using it in some way to serve others. So for example, I love to dance, that's mm-hmm. not necessarily a passion that I can <laughs> use to, um, you know, to ha- bring service to the world. Although maybe fun service, you know, maybe people could have a good laugh. Uh, Marta, there are some uh, portals where you can definitely dance um, for people's amusement. Yes, so that could still be an option, but I do it for myself. That's my mm-hmm. self-expression. And I also write for myself and mm-hmm. I write also and publish it. And that one has the potential to help other people or bring some mm-hmm. sort of service to people. So I just, you know, there are some, you can use even the same thing for your own self-expression. Um, for, for example, working through difficult emotions, you can use writing and you can use it to bring some sort of also help service to other people. Yeah, I completely agree. And from what I also understood, if we are coming back a bit to your uh, organized Zoom conferences, there is absolutely no uh, requirement that person has to talk. It's just okay to log in and listen. That could help if you, for instance, are not a talkative person, but you are coping with some things like either as Marta mentioned, anger or uh, and frustration or uh, how to control the fear or whatever. It's the, I, I, I believe, and I think I'm right, there is no obligation that you have to share something with the group. You don't even have to turn your camera on if you don't want to be seen. It's okay just to join and, and, and have your even microphone off and, and camera off and just to listen. Because I assume that if there are some listeners that are our listeners and they don't know us personally, it could be kind of weird maybe for some people to just join a, a, a kind of a, a intimate conference, you know, with other people they don't know. So I think that this can be just something that you might want to listen to and feel better and hear other people and how they are coping with, let's say, negative emotions. So if you would like to find out more, drop us a message on the five options.com mm-hmm. and we will make sure that we uh, we do something about it that we get you to the 
a place where you could get some help or mm -hmm. join yeah. a Although I have to say that now I just got this idea that maybe we can restart our break dance duo and do the live stream for people. But then I realized we are physically in two different cities, so that would be difficult. Well, that would require uh, so quite some creative solutions for sure. Yeah, and I think that that would definitely cheer people up, if you know what I mean. Uh, could have a huge uh, comedic potential, uh, but that's something we will maybe consider for the future. But uh, I believe that we, we have covered everything. And as we mentioned at the beginning, guys, if you have any questions, if you got interested in anything you have heard over the past three hours of our five questions to answer about coronavirus as you can see you can answer five questions over three hours then please send us a message let us know what you what was your opinion and uh, maybe you have some additional information maybe we made a mistake somewhere uh, or maybe we have made you think or maybe we pissed you off whatever that is we are waiting we are after all lockdown so we are begging for contact so <laughs> okay that was too that's too desperate but i hope that we will get some messages it would be nice to to hear from our listeners and uh, yeah i wish everyone happy easter happy lockdown uh, yeah, well, since that we might be releasing it as three different episodes, we don't know if it will not accidentally be post-Easter when people listen to that. But yeah, have a good Easter, whether this year or next year. And, you know, stay sane, stay conscious and stay open under those weird, weird circumstances. Exactly. So, guys, uh, yeah, I just realized the last thing. In three, uh, three weeks, this can be a completely different reality. So I hope that you will take it with, a, with, a, with that filter that this was recorded on 3rd of April 2020. You are listening to You've Got 5 Options show, where we solve your life challenges. Remember that you can visit our website, the5options.com, where you can submit your challenge or find our previous challenges. That's all, folks!